The Warriors play the LA Clippers tonight, the last game before the All-Star break. But over the last couple of days, a lot of stuff has been going on that we haven't really covered in detail. And I'm referring specifically to the Gary Payton, the second trade and everything that went on with the drama behind the scenes regarding the failed physical, Bob Myers' comments, which were fascinating. Kyle and Mills and I are going to break all of that down next. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You can follow Kylan Mills on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and probably a lot more at Kylan Mills. You can follow me, Cyrus Sotsis, on Twitter at Dog Surf Roadshow. It's a live uh, Tuesday afternoon edition. Kyle and I recapped uh, the, the, the game last night. They beat the Wizards. But we haven't touched on the Gary Payton the second trade. And now that we have all the information, uh, we got reaction from Kerr. We got reaction from Myers. We can delve into it. Do you want to play sound first? Do you want to give some instant reaction? How do you want to get this, get this thing started, Kyle? And hello to everyone in the chat as well. Hello to everyone saying, calling Cyrus a hunk of hunk of burning man of love. You did that? <laughs> yes. Oh, Retz, hi. Sorry, Retzel. Retzel, is that how we thank say you. your name? Oh. I guess. Yeah, thank you. That's, I'm flattered. Thank you. And then you're, you're, and then you are Angel Face. <laughs> you are, uh, there we go. You are cracking me up though, Retzel. Uh, Cy is a hunk of hunk of burning love. All right. Burning man love. Sorry, man love. Not just any love, man love. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to all. Um, right. I, say we just, I say we just get right into the Gary Bait in the second sound because to me, like, that's so much more important than even just last night's game. Uh, glad the Warriors won. That was definitely a positive. But, like, I think we dive into Gary Bait in the second because, big picture, the whole trade debacle is huge for the Warriors as they look to make a playoff push. All right. You're absolutely right. So here's the big one. And this is the most important soundbite uh, that we're going to start start everything off with. Um, this is uh, Bob Myers um, talking. Hold on a second here. Something got kooky with my screen. Oh, here we go. Okay. So here is Bob Myers discussing the buyout market. We'll start with this because his comments were very fascinating. They were revealing. Uh, I've never seen Bob Myers or heard Bob Myers in my life ever say anything that could be interpreted as pointed toward his coaching staff. Yet here's Bob. With James gone, I don't think you guys have anybody taller than six foot nine. How do you feel about the size on this team right now? And does that affect the buyout market at all? Yeah, we'll have to look at the buyout market. I think much like last year's deadline, we moved forward with Looney and, and uh, Draymond, who have kind of split minutes in the regular season. Jamichael's, I guess, what you'd call our other big. Last year, we had a couple other kind of non-traditional bigs um, that Bielitz is not in the NBA, so I can talk about him, but like a shooting big who did a nice job and then an, another good player that helped us. Um, and uh, we you know, we hope that we have enough, but we'll look and see. It's it's also determinative of how the coaches will use that player. For, for us to say, here's a big guy, 
um, and the coaching staff to say, well, we're not playing that guy. Doesn't matter if he's seven feet tall or eight feet tall. Um, it has that any buyout conversation has to be done uh, in collaboration with the coaching staff because why bring a player in if they're not going to use them? But if there's a player that the coaching staff and the front office thinks can be helpful, absolutely, we'll go target that guy. But um, not, not there's a good John Wooden quote: "Don't don't confuse activity for achievement." I just want to say, oh, we scoured the buyout market. Here's so and so, and the guy's sitting on the end of the bench. Because for us, it's three, four million. I don't know, it's three million dollars or something like that. Which, which Joe has done and would do. Um, but that's the conversation with the coaching staff uh, as far as who would play and who's available. That to me was incredibly revealing. Uh, you know, until that's until that soundbite, Kylan, I was confused and almost thought that Bob Myers in this whole divide between, uh, you know, ownership and wanting the two timeline path, Kerr just wanting nothing to do with youngsters. Um, I, I didn't know which side of the fence Bob Myers fell on. That was revealing to me because it basically told me that Bob Myers is on the Lakeup side and that he wants to get bigs. He wants to get the kind of players that this roster is crying for, this team is desperate for, but he has a coach that is averse to playing bigs. Um, your reaction to that sound, bud, which was incredible to me. Yeah, I mean, that soundbite was very telling. And I feel like Warriors GM Bob Myers has gotten much more candid in the way he's talked to the media this season than in seasons past. And at least from the two prior seasons that I even covered the Warriors hearing from him, like there's a noticeable difference from just two, three seasons ago to now in the way that he's addressing the media. And to me, that was a pretty candid answer and saying, you know what? Well, it doesn't matter who I think or at least it doesn't just matter who I think would be a good addition or who we like as a front office. It matters if the coaches are going to play them. And that's, you know, just the type of wording that we haven't heard from Bob Myers before. Um, my question, at least the question that it raises for me is, is Bob on his way out? Um, that's, you know, the big question that I wonder in the way that he's been talking. Um, is he saying this because, you know what, he's ready to walk out the door and now he feels like, you know, he maybe has the freedom to be a little bit more candid and upfront um, in regards to the way the dealings have worked in the front office, trying to identify players. Now that could all be, you know, that could all be false or who knows where they're at negotiations with Myers. But for those of you who aren't filled in, his contract is up. The Warriors have not let yet renegotiated bringing Bob back after the season. And so that's a huge question mark. And it's getting very late in the season for those discussions to be going on, leaving a lot of us to wonder what exactly is Bob Myers future in the NBA and will it be with the Golden State Warriors? Um, and to me, just how candid he was in speaking um, I at least read between the lines a little bit in that, you know, maybe yep. Bob is, is on his way out. It's a possibility. Um, that's just a conjecture. And again, reading between the lines. Uh, but to me, it was clear based on the way he talked about, you know, them bringing in folks and, and the coaching staff not playing them. To me, that was indirectly referring to James Wiseman or any bigs that the front yes. office might be interested in, in bringing in. And he mentioned specifically like, oh, we can bring in a seven footer. Okay, really? Who's a seven footer that we happen to know that, you know, just left the Warriors, who specifically Bob picked out and identified in the draft two, three years ago? Right, um, right. So to me, like I said, I just feel like this was very candid and Bob talking about kind of the way those relations have gone. Um, and so I think it's very interesting. I'm very curious what Bob Myers' future with the Warriors even is at this point. 
And I think that's also very telling about maybe a holdup in, in them pursuing someone in the buyout market, because ultimately, as you've said before on this on this show, Cyrus, I don't think Steve Kerr likes bigs. I don't. Um, and if Bob were to bring in a traditional five, would they even play? I mean, exactly. I think it's their question. And I don't think that if the Warriors brought in a Serge Ibaka, I don't think there's a chance that Steve Kerr would even want to play him. And if mm. I had to make a guess, an educated guess, now this is in no way any information that I know, but if I had to make a guess, I would abs- I could see Steve Kerr saying, hey, let's not get anyone, but let's just sign one of the two-way players, Ty Jerome or Anthony Lamb, which I would think Kerr would lean towards Lamb. He clearly loves Anthony Lamb. He played him pretty high in the rotation all season, very high for a two-way player. Um, and he got a ton of games in very early on. And Steve Kerr flat out said multiple times in post games that he trusts Anthony Lamb for whatever reason, which is kind of interesting because he compared, you know, hey, why aren't some of the young players getting minutes versus Anthony Lamb? Well, he is just has a little bit more experience. We trust him. And it's like he's brand new to the organization. Why do you trust him over a Moses Moody or Jonathan Kaminga? Um, or even a James Wiseman who did play a fair amount during his rookie season. I thought it was always interesting how he kind of seemed like he had Anthony Lamb up on this pedestal with this, you know, special level of trust uh, immediately joining the organization. So I wouldn't be shocked if Steve Kerr was saying, hey, let's just sign one of these guys. It's clear he likes them. He's comfortable with them um, versus bringing in someone new and specifically bringing in a big from the buyout market, which for me, what Bob Myers said indicates that he would be very much interested in doing that. And they're aware that size could be an issue. We hope we have enough. We're not really sure. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have the same roster construction as we had last year. He essentially said, you know, bringing up Bielitsa, and we also know Otto Porter Jr. Um, was at least a stretch big for the Warriors. And so to me, it seems like the front office will more be down and Steve Kerr probably wouldn't be down. So at the end of the day, Bob's not going to make any moves if it's going to be a player who's not going to play. I I agree with everything you said. Uh, I'm going to add some some stuff to that when we come back, uh, including the, the, the notion that Bob Myers might be on the way out. Possible. But Steve Kerr uh, has an expiring contract next year. There's also the possibility maybe Kerr's out. And, and maybe that's part of what's holding up Myers' contract. I mean, maybe Myers wants to to hire his own coach next i don't know we'll we'll talk about all that and so much more because again that soundbite was revealing when, when a gm is publicly uh criticizing a, a coach even if it is like subliminally like that um that's huge the, like that that there are messages being conveyed there uh, that um could lead to some huge changes uh in the not so distant future and again we'll talk about that and so much more uh after we give some love to prize picks uh, one of the uh, most entertaining apps I've been playing for a while now. Let me get the overlay going here. And the premise is very simple. In fact, uh, I'm going to play tonight um, because the Warriors are playing the Clippers. And all you have to do is bet over-unders. A minimum of two players, maximum of six. The two players can't be on the same team. Um, and all you're doing is deciding, hey, is Stephen Curry going to score more or less than 27 and a half points tonight? Is Draymond Green going to grab more or less seven of seven rebounds tonight that's all you do and it's super fun um breaking news by the way courtesy of chris haynes uh andrew wiggins will miss tonight's game because of personal reasons um so he's not going to be available in prize picks we'll talk about that a little more later in the show uh which is kind of a shame considering clay thompson is playing his first back-to-back of the season and now wiggins is out for personal reasons i don't know what that means but he's not going to play regardless he won't be available on prize picks but a lot of other warriors will be 
Download the PrizePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. And if you don't have $100, let's say you only got $50, $25, whatever the amount is, they will match it. You just have to enter the promo code LOCKED ON to sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. <laughs> On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow Kylan Mills on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Kylan Mills. Uh, a couple messages that stuck out to me. First of all, from AC. Uh, AC writes Bob Myers sounding like Billy Bean and Moneyball. When the manager refused to play Scotty Hatterberg all the time, I agree. That That's a great metaphor there. Um, AC also writes, uh, as far as I remember, Mike Brown was in charge of who played in the rotations last year. Partly true. He was primarily the defensive coordinator. Um, Jama Malalela is responsible for that now. Um, he's been flying completely under the radar. It would be nice if one of the reporters would do a little deep dive into how big his role is. Scott Osler uh, first revealed that tidbit uh, in a column some weeks ago. And then Femi Mamadali, I hope I pronounced that right, said Myers signed Boogie Cousins after a torn Achilles and Steve played him right away. That is not true. Uh, wait, no, that is true. You're right. Um, but this was back in 2019, um, back when Steve Kerr was still playing centers. A lot has changed in four years uh, since that time. And, and reports behind the scenes, indicate that uh, Steve Kerr and Boogie Cousins are not on the same page in terms of playing. Personally, I think they're fine, but uh, Kerr has an aversion towards Cousins and apparently every other big on the planet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, there, there is a possibility that maybe Steve Kerr is on the way out. I will say this, Kylan. We were talking about this uh, before we started recording, and I'll bring it up on the show now. It's entertaining. It's interesting. I might as well say it. If you had a choice between Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, who would you choose? Because... I'm confident in saying I would choose Bob Myers. Like to me, the genius behind this organization is Myers. The way he's constructed this roster, who he's put on the team. Steve Kerr is a great coach. I'm not calling for his head. I don't want him to leave. But if I had to have a pick between the two, I'm going Myers. I don't want Bob Myers to leave. I respect his decisions more. Um, do you have a feeling on the matter? I hate this question. Um, uh, I think it's a question. You don't have to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough question. Um, I'm leaning towards Myers, but I don't feel super confident about it. I just, I think that almost in today's NBA, I mean, I think coaching is important, but like, as we've seen, roster construction is, I think maybe trumps that. Um, and, you know, the coaching is as good as the staff. We saw how I, in my opinion, this much, I, we saw how much this year's team was impacted by losing Mike Brown. Um, who left and went to another organization. So it's not just like the head coach. Like to me, it's like the whole entire coaching staff and, and what they build. Um, but I do think that just bringing in the right players who fit the system, the chemistry, constructing the depth, what pieces you need. Like, I think that's an incredible skill. Um, and granted, the Warriors aren't batting a thousand, but I do think that Bob Myers has proven that he has a great eye and, and has the ability to really, uh, you know, pull out some incredible deals. And like, I still look at last year's team as just being 
such such a special roster construction from the way he was able to bring in like Porter Jr., Bielitsa, and just like some of these offseason additions who came in and literally won a championship and left, but they were perfect for exactly what the ne- the Warriors needed in that moment. Um, and to do it, you know, without spending a ton of money, like it, it's a tough skill. And I think that Bob Myers is an exceptional executive. And I would hate to see him go somewhere else because I'd be afraid to see what he would do, um, you know, with another organization, especially in the West. So um, I think he Myers, but I'm also not an anti-Kerr person at this point. I do think that he could have done a better job this season in particular of integrating the young players. Um, But I'm not like anti-Kerr per se. Yeah. And, and uh, Jacob writes, uh, what the F is wrong with y'all Warriors fans. Kerr is the most winningest winning coach ever. Uh, That's not true. I don't know why you're saying he's the most winning coach ever. Uh, He's not, he's, he is a winning coach. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, And so what, so one example of, of, Kerr and being open to criticism this year. Um, and Andre writes, for example, Kaminga needs to be more consistent for Kerr to keep him on the floor. Uh, you you say that because over the last two games, in the Laker game, Kaminga played 14 minutes. Last night against the Wizards, he only played 13 minutes. He wasn't having an awful game, but he did have a slow start. And this is, again, where I, I don't agree with Kerr, what Kerr is doing with these youngsters. That has really been eye-opening for me in terms of seeing him in this new light because he's never had youngsters throughout this whole run. He's never had to develop players, right? He's, he inherited, inherited, uh, uh, Steph, Clay, Dre. Uh, he inherited a team that had a, a great two years making the playoffs. He took that team to the championship, obviously, but the way he's handling these youngsters is so disappointing to me because the moment Kaminga, the moment Moody, the moment, any of them of these young players struggles at the beginning of a game, they get yanked, and then you probably never see him again. That is not how you build confidence with young players, uh, you know. And but for some reason, like if Ty Jerome, for example, last night, Ty Jerome uh, finished the game strong. He had he had a great game uh, statistically, but he had a horrible start, um, and actually posted all the mistakes he made in the first half. He cost the Warriors nine points in like a three minute span. So even though he ended up scoring like nine points or eleven points, he also cost the team nine points. But Kerr, for some reason, sticks with him. When Kaminga makes these mistakes, if Moody makes these mistakes, you don't see him again for the entire game. And that double standard is where I colossally disapprove, uh, if that's a, if that's a word, of the way Kerr's managing this team. Is, is like he just doesn't trust these young players, and there's no logical reason why you shouldn't trust them. I mean, they were starting games for you just last postseason. So that's the part that, that eats my craw the most. And I got to play the soundbite real quick of, uh, of Kerr. Um, this was yesterday as well. There were two separate press conferences. One was a special one uh, that Bob Myers held. And then uh, and then Steve Kerr did his customary pregame uh, press conference, as he does before every game. But the subject matter before this game was quite different because we were talking about Gary Payne II. So here was um, Kerr talking about the trade and also about James Wiseman, who Kerr basically was responsible for playing here barely playing here and being traded away to get Gary Payne the second back. Here's Kirk. How difficult was it for the franchise to, to move on? Well, I think uh, it's hard on a personal level because of, of our um, affection for James uh, and the talent level. I, I was all in on, on uh, taking James when we did. Um, I was part of the group and uh, loved the ability and uh, loved uh, everything that, that we saw. Um, I think you can't always foresee 
circumstances. You remember at the time we had the worst record in the league. Um, Clay had just torn his Achilles. Um, we didn't really know where we were as a team. Um, frankly, we didn't know we would win a championship, you know, a, a year and a half later. So um, I think the important thing, and I, I was a, a GM once, not a very good one, but I've been in Bob's shoes. The important thing is in this league, and I think in all sports, is uh, you have to move forward. You can't look back. You have to move forward and, and um, make whatever moves that are necessary to uh, to allow you to um, to succeed in the you know in the present state of the team and and going forward. And so that was the determination that the organization made. And so that was Steve Kerr. Uh, when we come back, Kylan, I'd love to get your reaction to that because. A lot of people are under the impression that Steve Kerr uh, is not involved in personnel decisions. He's not the GM. But uh, if you believe that, that's a blatant falsehood. He's very involved. And as he admitted there, he endorsed the, uh, the drafting of James Wiseman. Three years later, gone. A number two pick, completely a bust. Um, and I'd love to get your reaction to that because I personally don't approve. I, I don't think that should just be like swept into the rug and, and just forgotten about. That was a blunder, a huge blunder. And I'd love to get your reaction first. Got to talk about Build Bars. I don't think James Wiseman ate his Build Bars, folks. Maybe he'll eat them when he's in Detroit. Uh, but Andrew Wiggins ate his Build Bars last night. Clay Thompson ate his Build Bars last night. Even Jermichael Green had his Build Bars last night. I don't know if any folks actually ate their Build Bars. But, folks, roll with me. They're delicious. They're packed with protein. On average, 17 grams of protein per Build Bar. And what makes them really special is that, on average, despite being covered in 100% real chocolate, Despite coming in flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, on average, they only have 130 calories per bar, and even more impressive, only 4 grams of sugar. Sugar is a toxin, folks. It's horrible for you. And you know Built's doing good because they're now available in stores. For a long time when we were doing these reads, all we talk about is go to Built.com and order these things online. Now you can go to Walmart and order a 4-bar box. Now you can go to Sam's Club and grab a 13-bar box. That's because these things are good and they're kind of good for you. So, and you can always go to built.com as well and buy your box there. Regardless, go check out Built Bar. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. One final segment with yours truly and Kylan Mills, who you can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and, and TikTok, at Kylan Mills. Your reaction to that Steve Kerr soundbite, Kylan? I just want to address, I think people have been getting pretty heated in the comments just while we're on the topic of Steve Kerr. Is he a good coach? Is he a bad coach? You know, are the Warriors terrible this year because Mike Brown was really the puppet master pulling the strings last season? I mean, it's a fascinating debate. I don't think you can question that Steve Kerr, to me, is a good coach because he won so many championships. My question is, Steve Kerr, a good coach or a great coach? And to me, the ability to develop young talent is what separates good, great, outstanding, excellent, best of all time. Um, so for I just want to say, first of all, I'm, I don't think by any means when you brought up that Bob versus Steve question, like, I don't necessarily, I don't want Steve to leave. I do think Steve Kerr is a good coach, but I do think that A, Mike Brown had a huge influence last season. To me, there's no question seeing the success the Kings have had this season that he maybe played a bigger role than people realized. And that it is an entire staff that's really 
propelling the Warriors to success, not just Steve Kerr making all the decisions. That being said, I also think that Steve Kerr does a great job of involving his players, letting personalities be personalities, of creating a culture where the players are an active part in the strategy and you know the coaching process, similar to how Phil Jackson dealt with his players and some big personalities. And I think if Steve Kerr isn't Steve Kerr, Warriors wouldn't have won the championships, championships they've won with just some of the different personnel they had. Like Draymond Green is not a player who's going to respond well to like a coach up in his face and to being pushed to a certain degree. You have to, I don't know. I think that Steve Kerr has done a good job of managing the different personalities and personnel on the team throughout the championship years. So I just want to say that. Um, but I do think this is a new challenge. This is something we haven't seen. Like you mentioned, Cyrus, during the Steve Kerr era is all of this young talent on the Warriors at the same time that needs to be developed at the same time as the Warriors wanting to win a championship. And I think that the Warriors, um, you know, got put in a tough situation right away this season because they came out losing. And so there immediately was very little margin for error because the Warriors were 500 out the gate. Um, and to where, you know, if you're Steve Kerr, maybe you don't feel comfortable playing the young players. Maybe you suddenly feel that extra pressure to produce wins. Um, and you become nervous about, about giving any of the young guys that opportunity to play through mistakes. Um, whereas I just feel like if they had started out like 20 and 0, like essentially like last season, I think we would have been having different conversations and maybe those young players would have had a lot longer leash. But I think this season has just been kind of a unique set of challenges that this coaching staff hasn't dealt with. Um, you know, and how they end up in the postseason, I think will be the final picture of how, you know, then we can evaluate really how this coaching staff dealt with it. Because up until this point, I get the frustration about the young players not having more opportunities to play, but also, you know, balancing that with trying to win right now. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have to evaluate that at the end of the season. Cause I think it's hard to say right now, but I think there certainly is, you know, room for criticism. Uh, you know, I don't think he's untouchable, but I think Kerr has done a great job with the Warriors up until this point, but this season with a new set of challenges, you know, I personally think there could have been some decisions made differently. That's very fair. Uh, I want to read. Um, <laughs> yeah, that did come out wrong, Retzel. Uh, I want to read a couple of chats here real quick, uh, yeah. uh, which a lot of great perspectives in the chat. And that's why I love doing these live shows. One of the many reasons uh, Ty Burke writes, Kerr has never lost a playoff series as Warriors coach until that changes. I'm going to keep the criticism to myself. Not true. Uh, he was the head coach when they lost in 2016. Um, the 2021 season, uh, when they lost those two playing games, I know that's not technically a series, but the point is he has lost, but you're also right. That it's very rare. Um, so I can understand your sentiments. A uh, D writes, uh, nobody can answer my question. Okay. We'll try name another coach who was asked to develop four to five young players, as well as win a championship in the same season with his vets. Um, look, First of all, that scenario by itself is very rare. So I, I've heard yeah. people call on that and say, well, what other coaches done this? Well, it's very rare to have a squad that has, you know, a dynasty while also having a couple lottery picks in there. But it has happened. Magic Johnson was a rookie and won a championship. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was only in his second year when the Spurs went to the NBA Finals and should have won that first for the first time against the Heat. And then in his third year, he won NBA Finals MVP. Uh, when they did beat the Heat, uh, including LeBron James. Uh, Tim Duncan, I think, was only in his second year when Popovich's uh, Spurs won the first title. Um, it can happen. And not to mention the fact that, like, we honestly don't know if it can or can't happen um, until Kerr actually tries it. I think that's where my frustration and a lot of other people's frustration comes from, is that 
we don't see the open-mindedness to at least just give it a try. Like he gets so frustrated by these young players that they're just gone immediately. Like there, there's no opportunities for them uh, beside like five minutes, 10 minutes. And then if they make mistakes, they're just pulled out. Um, yeah. I think that's where a lot of the frustration lies. Um, and shine again, you know, right. It's easy to do with one player. Okay, fine. Then, then make it at least one player. I want Kaminga to not be limited to 13, 14 minutes. I would like some 25 minute runs by him consistently. It's, it's, that part drives me crazy. Um, uh, Joe writes, and I agree with this 100%, a great coach equals maximized talents. I do agree with that. And I think, and again, I think Steve Kerr is a great coach. I don't think, uh, Kylan, I'll, I'll, I'm guessing I'm speaking on your behalf and saying we both think he's a, a fine coach. Like, neither of us are calling yeah. for head, like, because the alternatives suck. And that's, that's where Oliver, I think you're right. If Kerr is not great, tell me who is. And that's why I'm not calling for his head, because it's not like there is you know, a bevy of great options out there to choose from to replace Kerr. Right. Um, the only way I'll ever entertain the, the idea of firing Kerr is if you come at me with someone else to replace him. Uh, if you don't do that, all you're doing is bitching about it without coming up with a solution. Um, so I'm not, I'm not calling for his head. I know you're not either. It's just yeah. like you said, he's the head coach of a high profile NBA team. He's making a lot of mistakes this year. He is open to criticism. It's okay. Yeah. All right. I think even Kerr would agree with that. He's the, he's pragmatic enough and has enough common sense to know in this business, he is susceptible to criticism. So, um, you know, like, again, neither of us are calling for his head. And then lastly, Bruce Morrow, at least from the chats I saw initially, writes, most of the great coaches of all time never developed the great players. Again, I mentioned Kawhi Leonard, uh, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson, I think, uh, was partly responsible for Michael Jordan's development. I know Jordan was getting there. But Jordan didn't reach that next level until Phil Jackson showed up. Although then you can make the same argument for Kerr with Stephen Curry, I suppose. So you're right. It's it's rare. I, I hear you on all that. All I'm saying is I just don't think it takes a genius to recognize that you do have some talent on there. There is a certain way you should handle young players. And he's just not doing a great job of that. And it just would be nice if he was a little more flexible in terms of playing bigs or playing his young players. Um, you know, so that's my perspective on it. Um, anything else, uh, that we should, or anything you want to add to that, Colin? I don't know. Um, not on that topic, uh, real quickly <laughs> before we go, uh, I thought it was great. The Warriors finally won a freaking game and closed it out. And I tweeted it out and a couple of people are like, barely, I'm like, yeah, honestly, fourth quarter, little iffy, but I'm just glad they did enough not to blow the lead and actually win. Can they repeat it tonight against the Clippers who, you know, scare me a little bit? Uh, we'll see. But um, I think it was great. I think that Andrew Wiggins played his best game of the season. I'm going to say best game of the season, not just prior to his illness and injury issue. I mean, he was outstanding. The aggressiveness from Wiggs when he's able to attack the basket is when he's most successful. And Wiggins was was excellent, 29 points, and he was getting a lot of them by driving and, and just attacking the rim. And that's exactly what he needs to do. So I was super, super invigorated because I think for this team to make a playoff run, they need all-star wigs. They need, hey, how we saw him play at the end of last season, basically, how we saw NBA Finals Wiggins. That's what the Warriors need if they're going to have any chance of making a push. So to see that finally back, that was very encouraging. I think it's unfortunate, though, I want to mention you brought it up, just that he's not playing tonight, which we just learned during this live, mm -hmm. um, that he's going to miss this game against the Clippers for personal reasons. That sucks. I mean, given the momentum after playing the way he did last night, I would have liked to see him follow up with a second strong performance. Um, so it's unfortunate he's going to be away from the team, I would assume, with a personal matter. 
but hopefully he comes back and continues to play like that because we've been as of late, I think very average Andrew Wiggins play. And I think that absolutely is a critical factor in the Warriors losing. Like I, even after last season, the way he proved himself, I still think Andrew Wiggins is like one of the most overlooked pieces of the Warriors roster. Like I really Mm -hmm. do. And so when Wiggins plays like he does last night, and if he does that consistently, also Clay Thompson to me, still way too inconsistent. But when those two are firing, Great. I think the Warriors absolutely can win games without Steph. But average play, I mean, play like we got against the Lakers from Clay. Ooh, ooh. Then it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, and a few more uh, uh, comments in the chat that stuck out to me. Uh, AC might be onto something. AC Wright's replaced the assistant coaches. That might be a possibility. Uh, you know, a, a good analogy there is. The New England Patriots this year, they have Bill Belichick, widely considered the greatest coach, uh, not only in the NFL, but in NFL history. His assistants were awful this year. Matt Patricia should not have been an offensive coordinator. Maybe Jama Malalela should not be in charge of rotations. I don't know. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe he needs better assistance. I don't know. Um, Jacob writes, uh, MJ was MJ when he got to the league. So was Magic, two horrible examples. Well, look, Magic was a rookie when he won the title. He was given an opportunity. I just want Kaminga to get logged considerable minutes. I don't think I'm asking for too much for Kaminga to get a consistent 20 to 25 a night and for Moses Moody to get 15 minutes a night. That's all I'm asking for. Uh, you know, that's, and that's really where my criticism is, is that Kerr, I, I don't know what the logic is in, in constantly playing these two-way guys over uh, Kaminga and Moody. And that's been my gripe this whole year. Um, Andre, this is a good point, and Kylan, I, I wonder if you would agree with this. So if they win a championship this year, if the Warriors win their fifth title, will any of this matter? No. No. Plain and simple. No. Winning cures everything. Um, would you agree with that, Kylan? Yeah. Winning cures and, all. Uh, oh, and I guess that's it. Um, I thought there was something else. Uh, so I think I'm – if that's if that's it, that's it, right? Are we done, Kylan? Are we out? Yeah, um, I will say that I hope that if Andrew Wiggins is out uh, beyond just this game, you know, obviously, hopefully the team gets him back. I think that Moses Moody should get more minutes. I thought Moses Moody looked good last night. I know a lot of people yes. have been harping on him, saying he sucks all season. But, like, when he plays well, like, give him a little bit more minutes. See how he does. See how he responds when he does have a good game. And I thought he looked good last night. Um, and, you know, what is he, 6'6", six, six maybe? I was. He's not a completely no. different role player than Andrew Wiggins to where, like, he could potentially take some up, take up some of those minutes in the rotation. Cause I know people complain, you know, well, he doesn't play this or that when we talk about certain young players uh, needing more minutes, but I think in Wiggins absence, that should open a door for Moody to potentially pick up some of those rotation minutes. So Absolutely. I thought he looked great as much as you can think that he's looked bad throughout the season. If he had a good game, why not give him a little bit more? Also some other people mentioned PBJ. I'm not opposed to him playing right. a little bit more as well. Right. It's like, why are you calling him up from Santa Cruz if you're just going to DNP him? It's like the you like the, for the people who love Kerr. And, and again, we're not saying I'm not saying that I don't love Kerr. I look, he's he's led this team to a dynasty. Love you just for that alone. Um, but the way he's handled PBJ, the way he's handling Kaminga, Moody, this Wiseman fiasco. I mean, you can't just let give him a pass for all this, too, you know, like. Like, especially when none of this is making sense. So, um, but regardless, yeah, I would love to see some PBJ uh, and all these other players. Kylan, you have a great day. Happy Valentine's Day. You're married. Congrats. So you've got someone. Good for you. Even though both of us were criticizing how commercialized this holiday is uh, uh, behind the scenes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not a big V-Day. I'm not a big V-Day person. I do. Think so I love much. it. But happy Valentine's Day to all of you out there. We appreciate you. Hopefully uh, the Warriors give us a win. If you're single, at least, I don't know, you can relish in that. <laughs>